Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you. Oilers Now. It is 134 at Edmonton. Uh, I will get, we got to a, a whole bunch of texts coming up here at 145 on Dave Brown, who joined us on today's show. Uh, do want to tell you, Royal Pizza still making it great. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. And obviously, uh, with changes due to COVID-19, obviously you can uh, order and pay online with Royal Pizza as well. Stop for recommendation at Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean chicken. Yesterday, the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, were busy. Uh, they made two separate deals, which involve uh, potential 20-year-olds. They've also got the WHL Bantam Draft coming up. We are joined at this time by Oil Kings General Manager, Kurt Hill. Hi, Kurt. Uh, Kurt how are you doing? I'm doing good, Bob. How are you doing? Good. Well, uh, tell us about your flurry of activity yesterday and how it could potentially uh, change uh, things uh, moving forward for your hockey club. Yeah, no, for sure. I guess uh, the first deal that we made early earlier in the day was sending Jackson Alexander to uh, Victoria for Kate Oliver, and then obviously there were some draft picks involved in that. We moved our third-round pick this year for Victoria's fourth this year, which moved us back just 11 spots in the draft, and then we included a seventh-round pick uh, for them, and uh, there's a conditional fourth-round pick, and they're coming back to us if there's no season next year, and Alexander's a 20-year-old for them. So, um I guess the meat of the trade, we we feel that we got a legitimate uh, top six centerman. Um, you know, a real edgy player that has size. He plays an extremely competitive game. He scored over 20 goals the last two seasons, and uh, he was among the top three face-off guys in the league last year as well. Um, you know, he's scored on the power play, produced a shorthanded, a guy that played over 20 minutes a game in Victoria. So, um you know, we give up a really extremely skilled player in Jackson that just never really seemed to get over the, the injury hump here in Edmonton, unfortunately. But uh, I guess for him, uh, hopefully he can leave those injuries behind here in Edmonton and get an opportunity to go play in his hometown in Victoria and kind of get a fresh start uh, on his career. But, uh, no, really excited about uh, adding Kate Oliver. And I guess with adding another 20-year-old that put us up to six yesterday, so... Uh, a deal came about with Kelowna, who was really interested in David Cope, and we acquired a fourth-round pick from them for, for David, and this gives him a, a great opportunity, you know, to go be a top-six forward with uh, a good organization and uh, have an opportunity to uh, try to earn himself a pro contract as a 20-year-old. All right, so you're still at, uh, what, five 20-year-olds as a result of the two moves yesterday? 
Yeah, we recently dropped we recently dropped Schaffler as well, who was on the team as a, he would have been a twenty year old this year. So we're at five. We have uh, Wyatt McLeod, Ethan Cap, uh, Kate Oliver now, Scott Atkinson, and uh, Samuel Stewart. So we're at five, the two forwards and three uh, D. Yeah, and you uh, obviously picked up Stewart a trade from Tri City. You mentioned something there, Kurt. You put in a caveat in the trade, and you said, and I believe the quote was, in case we don't have hockey this season. And I guess that's an unfortunate part of things uh, in your line of work is you, you kind of do have to factor in, like, who knows where we're going to be at here moving forward with COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, with the trade, I guess it's the one thing is we, we knew we were giving up a year with uh, Jackson only being 19 and us acquiring a 20-year-old. So if uh, if there is a situation that we don't play next season, I think, uh, you know, in, in conversations, it's a fair deal to acquire a pick back. If there's no season and, and Jackson ends up playing, it's essentially a, a pick coming back for Jackson to be a 20-year-old player in the league, which is uh, pretty fair all, all, uh, all around. Scott Atkinson, you mentioned one of your 20-year-olds. He was your captain last season, right? Yes, he was, yeah. And he is also a center. So, uh, in theory, you, you, you know, you could have two of your top three centers uh, as as uh, 20-year-olds and give you some strength and maturity down the middle. I know you guys drafted, uh, I forget the kid's name, Reimer. Is it Caleb Reimer? Caleb Reimer. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he's a center as well, six foot three, right shot. Does this maybe buy you a little bit more time having a couple experienced pivots down the middle? Yeah, potentially. I think, uh, you know, our coaching staff, myself, Jamie Porter, I think we have a lot of philosophy that we, we find it's a lot easier to move a centerman to the wing if we really need to. And, you know, we feel that uh, we need to continue to, to build our organization and be really strong through the middle. And, you know, Caleb's going to be uh, a really good player in this league. And if he comes to camp and earns himself a spot, that's uh, that's good for him. And, uh, you know, if we think he needs another year to continue to be the guy and play lots of mid- minutes in midget hockey, then that's potentially something we look at as well. Um, we've had a lot of success here with sending guys back to midget i mean it was sebastian Costa was a guy two years ago at 16 that we sent back to midget and uh, that seemed to work out pretty good for him in a 17 year old season last year you got five of your top six scores back next season obviously riley sachuk uh 20 year old uh has uh, has moved on as one of your, your 320s the past season but neighbors dylan gunther josh williams who had a pretty decent year matthew robertson carter such uh you know, now you add Oliver into the mix there. You, you mean, and you're at five. Uh, obviously, you can only carry three. You're going to have a. I, I would think you might have some decisions to make with your defense. Is that a fair assessment, given that you listed three potential 20 year old D men? Yeah, there'll be some decisions to make for sure overall. I think it's. Um you know, all those, all the guys that we have as 20-year-olds right now, they're they're all exceptional players. They're all going to have opportunity in the league, and, you know, that's something that we're going to have to continue to evaluate as we move forward here. I think, um, as you mentioned, our forward group, we're really, we're really happy with where we're at there, and it's a really strong group that, um, you know, we still think that those guys last year that were some of those names that you talked about are still entering the prime in their careers, and, and we know that some of our old ones are going to continue to build on the seasons they had last year. So, uh, um, yeah, definitely some decisions to make on, on defense, but we also moved one out, so uh, we're uh, definitely going to be have a lot of conversation in that area for sure. When is the WHL Batham draft, by the way? Uh, the bound draft is tomorrow, starts at uh, 10 Mountain Time. Is it a, I mean, I know you moved a couple, you know, there's some 2023 picks involved here. Could we foresee something, you know, in the next 24 hours? Would it be out of the realm of possibility that one of those prospective 20s uh, gets moved so you can get a pick uh, immediate to this year's draft? 
I guess it's always a potential. I mean, um, we we feel we have a lot of picks this year. We 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 don't have a second or a third. We have our we have our first pick. We moved that third in the Alexander deal, so now we have two fourths. But it's uh, the one thing that we take into consideration was this year in the U.S. draft, we had the third overall pick, which. Uh, you know, was a very high pick in that draft, which almost acts as like a second-round pick in the uh, Canadian draft. So, uh, you know, we still feel like we have a lot of picks this year. Um, I don't know if we're going to find another deal uh, before before 10, 10 a.m. tomorrow, but never say never. There seems to be lots of conversation. And uh, the one thing with the, with the twenty-year-olds is when deals come along, you have to you have to really consider them because. Sometimes, if you wait too long, you end up uh, having a free agent on your hands, and like we did last year with Miscue. Uh, Connor Bedard, uh, there was a report. He's already uh, signed a WHL standard player agreement. Is that correct? Has he technically been taken number one uh, by Regina yet? Yeah, so technically, I mean, the way the league works, if guys start to sign, they can they can announce that they've picked the player and signed the player. So at this point, Bedard has signed, so Regina's announced that. They're going to have a media conference here this afternoon. So at that point, uh, Prince George, if they – if they get the same thing done, they they have their they could go ahead and make that announcement and say they picked the player and signed him as well. Okay, so who has the number one pick? Is that Regina? Regina, yeah. Okay, so that's their number one pick. So what you're saying is Prince George has got the number two overall pick, and they can turn around and do the same thing. So we know who the first two picks of the Bantam draft are today. So it's a, it's almost a bit like the NFL draft where you already kind of know uh, who's going number one. And there, you know, potential contract negotiations. This is a little bit different because you're signing a, a standard uh, WHL contract. It's good for the league that Bedard has committed to the league, is it not? Uh, and it's going to be intriguing, uh, Kurt, given that he's the first exceptional player that the WHL has granted. No, definitely. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, lot of eyes in the draft tomorrow. I think obviously when you have your first exceptional status and a player in our league, it's. Uh, makes the draft a lot more interesting tomorrow and he's going to be he's an exceptional player and that's going to be it's good that we have him coming in the league we want we want the best players in our league and uh you know that's great for for regina for that organization to have a player of that caliber coming so um yeah no happy for them and happy to have Connor bedard joining the league in a perfect world would you be able to obtain an 18 year old defenseman tomorrow i'm just looking at the age groups of your demon yeah, it's it's interesting. Like eighteen year olds again, those those demon are just all primarily coming off their no no movement clauses. So it's uh, a lot of times there's uh, those those players haven't really talked about being moved up into this point in their career. So um, yeah, there's there's definitely something there that could potentially be looked at. I guess the other thing you, that needs to be considered too is the CHL import draft and the potential to take another another player in that draft depending where we where we get to uh, and if European players are even going to be allowed to come over so uh, lots of moving parts right now for sure because of the fluid situation obviously we're all living in all right uh, Kurt as always we appreciate your time and we'll touch base in the next couple weeks okay yeah thanks a lot stuff thanks for you bet that's Kurt Hill. He is the general manager of the uh, Edmonton Oil Kings. It's 144 in Edmonton. Bob Stauffer with you. Uh, we are. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
We're going to take a timeout. We're going to get to a bunch of your texts. You already know what this day in Oilers history is. We'll replay that clip as well. This is Oilers Now. Hi, this is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. It's 146 in Edmonton. Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin, focused on your health and peace of mind. They're proud to be a part of Ford Canada's Built to Lend a Hand program, helping their customers through these challenging and difficult times. Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin is committed to social responsibility, safety, and supporting their valued clients through flexible financing, online sales, and support, and even delivery and mobile service. Find out more about how Brent Ridge Ford is built to lend a hand. can reach out to Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford, 1-877-477-3673, or visiting brentridge.com. Um... Let's do this. We are going to go into this day in Oilers history. We already teased it earlier in the show. Brendan, what do you got? Suter lays it in high off the glass. Smith trying to pick it up in the corner. Comes loose to Curry. Curry gets it ahead to Gretzky. Gretzky going in. Suter trying to get back. Gretzky with a shot. This day in 1988, Bob, Wayne Gretzky scored a shorthanded goal at 7.54 of overtime to give the Oilers a 5-4 win at the Olympic Saddle Dome in Calgary. That was in Game 2 of the Smythe Division Finals. It was also just the third shorthanded overtime winner in Stanley Cup history. Nice work. Uh, the Oilers would get another shorthanded overtime winner. Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final in 2006 fellow by the name of Fernando Pisani, but uh, absolutely, man, that was the Flames were good. They were good in 88. No question about it. Oilers, of course, were the reigning Stanley Cup champions, and that's where we're going to go as we head off to our Ashley Fine Flores text line. Bob, uh, Dave Brown was one of my, gave me one of my favorite childhood memories. Uh, when he had Jim Kite in his grasp and gave him a good whooping, I was actually at the game and remember it was like it was yesterday, says the texter. Uh, this texter says, Bob, Flyers forever, bud. Ben Wilson, toughest flyer ever. Ben Wilson was tough. I'll be completely frank with you. I did not like the Philadelphia Flyers as a kid. I thought they were bullies. I thought uh, they they attacked um they wolf-packed uh, players on the ice. The moment one of their guys got in a little bit of trouble or started losing, the rest of the team jumped in there. One of the great moments for me was in 73-74 when Larry Robinson absolutely kicked the living snot out of Dave Schultz because I was not a fan of Dave Schultz. Um, uh, you know, I remember the Flyers and the you know, Edmontonians will remember this from Hockey in Canada if you were of that vintage. The Flyers and the Maple Leafs and the way they worked over Borea Solomon and the Leafs, you know, had Tiger Williams who was undersized and they brought in Dave Dunn out of the University of Saskatchewan who, you know, was just a big guy, not a great fighter, but he pounded Hound Dog Kelly and then Schultz went nuts and Selesky was running around. But I'll say this about Ben Wilson. Ben Wilson was big time tough. He could hurt you. And there was a fight with Paul Baxter, and Baxter was a dirty fighter. And he had a sneaky left hand, and he had hard hands like he could hurt you. And he kind of half-suckered Ben Wilson at the start of it. One of those ones where, kind of like Ladislav Schmid and Sean Avery, where maybe Schmid should have been a little bit more ready, but he got popped. Well, in the case of Ben Wilson, uh, Paul Baxter hit him hard. And everybody else kind of meleeed around after. And Wilson was down on one knee, pulled himself back up. And 
went bows. I'll give Boxer credit for re-engaging, and Ben Wilson laid the proverbial boots to him. And in the end, Baxter turtled at the end of the fight because it was that lopsided. It was funny how many times Denny Morrell was involved in some of those fights with Paul Baxter. Baxter would later play for the Calgary Flames. Mark Messier put him through the glass once on a hit. That's how hard he hit him. He exploded him into the boards and drilled him right through the glass. And Baxter was a major, uh, major uh, uh antagonist to say the least gordon has texted the show regarding dave brown best scene from the 90 cup was when mark messier handed the cup to dave brown in boston uh, dave was not dressed for the, the game but he helped get the Oilers to that game bob i remember the flyers and the red army well here's here's the challenge right like with again and i was not a flyers fan in the mid-70s i mean they gooned central red army in that game they gooned them the Canadians played hockey with them. The Flyers gooned them. But at that time, and again, if you're under the age of 30, you can't even relate to it. Like, you grew up hating the Russians. It was wrong to hate them. But they were the Soviets. Like There was genuine dislike in the world. It was political. And you know what? Sometimes, and Bill Maher used to talk about this. The problem we and he had Jordan Peterson on one time, and look on the same show we've mentioned Nora Loretto, who's as far to the left as you can be on several issues, and then you have Jordan Peterson, who a lot of people on the left absolutely despise. But when you talk about politics, it's challenging because a lot of people get uncomfortable there because they're hard conversations. Well, the truth of the matter is, the Cold War was a difficult time. You had genuine dislike and a lack of trust. And you know what? There's still a lack of trust internationally out there. Take a look what's happening right now. Like, look at the perspectives on the World Health Organization, maybe how that's changed over the last two and a half to three months with the COVID-19 pandemic and the politics. I mean, some of you have read exclusively and extensively on the CIA. Probably don't necessarily trust everything that's ever come out of there. Uh, some of you maybe grew up in Central or South America, don't have much time for American foreign policy that was executed at times by the CIA. That's what I mean. So you're going to have different perspectives on how you see life. Like if you're a fan of Argentinian soccer, you'll say, hey, we were awesome in 78. We were awesome in 86. I would say to you that there were some countries that didn't even want to participate in the World Cup in Argentina in 1978 because they were a military dictatorship at that time. Politics do play into the equations. There is no debate about it. And when it came to hockey, in 1976, most North Americans at that time would say it was our system against theirs and would have no problem with how the Flyers went at Central Red Army. I had a, even at 10 or 11, I was like, I don't think this is the right way to win. I kind of enjoyed more what the Montreal Canadiens tried to do. But I also think you had to have toughness to support it in the game. And the Oilers had toughness. They had Dave Semenko. They had Kevin McClellan. They hired Marty McSorley. Uh, and after McSorley got moved and McClellan was a lefty and guys got bigger, they needed to go get Dave Brown. And he was an important part of their team uh, in the 89-90-90-91 season. You can uh, text us at 780 why am I being asked about uh, hairstylists? I don't know. For, I'll have to talk to Fred to get an answer uh, from you on that front. Um, 
Man, what a wide-ranging conversation. People are, people are going to town today. Let me tell you, they're having some fun with us on today's show. Again, you can text us. Uh, BH says, when you came in the Spectrum, you knew you were going to get it. Uh, blank me, Brownie's a great guest. That one comes to us from BH. Uh, they called it the Philly Flu. That's what they called it in the NHL in the 70s and the 80s. The Philly Flu. That's how intimidating the Flyers were at that time. Dave Brown was the, Roddy says, Dave Brown was the toughest guy I've ever seen in the National Hockey League. I never saw him lose a fight, and that was even against Probert. Loved how he taped up the sleeves of his jerseys around the uh, wrists. Uh, no laces in his gloves. Uh, that one comes says from Roddy. Jack Hookson from Pro-Am Sports has just tweeted out a uh, fight photo of Dave Brown being on top of uh, on top of Jim Kite in that fight in 1991. So uh, there you have it. Bob, you should take over for Jesperson. You're way more logical and have way more common sense from Gary. Gary, I appreciate that comment. I think Ryan does a terrific job, and you're one of the few that would say that I'm way more logical and have more common sense than Jesperson. But it is important to have your uncle text the show once in a while just to positively. Actually, Gary's not my uncle. Uh, anyhow, uh, Ryan and myself have had some interesting conversations along the way. The one thing is, when it, we have hockey fans that are on the left side of the spectrum. We have hockey fans that are on the right side of the spectrum. We have a lot of hockey fans that listen to the show that are probably, you know, center slightly left or center slightly right. Lots of opinion and debate, nothing wrong with that. And sometimes not everybody's going to agree with everybody else. That's kind of how it works. It was fun today, though, having Dave Brown on the show. Coming up uh, tomorrow, we'll have David Staples from the Cult of Hockey, Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, our insider, John Shannon. Reed Wilkins will have Inside Sports Night from 7 to 8. Brendan Escott. You'll hear from Kelly Rudy and U of A offensive lineman Carter O'Donnell, who uh, could well get drafted into both the NFL and CFL drafts in the next couple of weeks. He's ranked number three for the CFL draft. Uh, Reed show on 7-8, Global News Hour at 6. Up next, ongoing COVID-19 pandemic coverage. Global News Weather Traffic Update with Eileen Bell, followed by 6.30 Chet Afternoons with Jalen and I. Have a uh, terrific Tuesday, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.